we've got a really international superstar with us tonight. She has been over the world doing what she does best. Um, and we just, I have to let you know this, she is watched by thousands. So we're very privileged that she's in our company tonight. But I have to say, she's probably one of the most humble people that I know for all the age of her, and that's a testament to her. Will you please welcome Megan Bell. Now, Megan, you're used to starting everything with a whistle. Yep. And we're on a tight schedule tonight. Okay. We've got 15 minutes, so we're a bit shorter than what you would normally play. So whenever you hear the whistle, that's when we're going to start. Right. Whenever the whistle blows again, that's when we finish. Okay. Okay? Yep. Are you ready? Tommy, your dad asked a, a question over this bump in Deborah's tummy to say, are you going to kick a ball? And if you are, kick. And what happened? I kicked. Well, that was self-fulfilling prophecy, I think. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. <laughs> okay, Megan. Um, so, let's start off. How did you come to go to church? Um, so, I had a best pal who's onwards up there. Shout out to Nicole. So me and her were best buds. We did everything together from the age of about two. We lived in the same street and she just invited me to Sunday school one day and I came and I just loved it. I went to GB. Um, I was going to say went to BB. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, went to GB from I was three. Is that what age you go? Yeah, three, three. And um, left last year. No, not last year, two years ago because of football and commitment, so um, loved GB, loved Sunday school and all that I had, um, loved being at church. Um, I remember me and Lois used to st sit up in that um, top corner of the balcony and we were too scared to put our hands in there, so we were like sliding it up the wall, <laughs> like our hands on the wall, sliding it up. And then if people saw us, we were like this, <laughs> like this and all. So, yeah. Brilliant. So, when did you become a Christian, Megan? Um, I wouldn't say there was like a definite, I remember like a definite moment, but um, I would say going to Sunday school, um, I made a really big commitment and I was there every week wanting to know what God had in store for me as a kid. Um, and then I think I started to really take faith seriously when I got to 412 age. Um, and 412 has just been such a blessing in my life and I, I can't tell you enough how much. Um, it's had an impact on me and my relationship with Jesus. So, um, I think we might have a wee photo here of Megan. Oh, wow. And is there another one of us? Oh, wow. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, you? Dad. No sign of a football <laughs> kit there at all. <laughs> here I used to be cute. <laughs> Megan. That was how you came to church at the age of three yep. and how you became a Christian. How did you start playing football? Um, I ju well, I don't know. My dad said, like, he's always told me that I was never throwing a football. Um, when we were out in the garden when I was a kid, it was always kicked. Everything was with my feet. Um, I didn't like picking the ball up. So 
I think it just came from there, playing in the garden. And then I think my dad realized that I could actually kick it all right. Like, um, so a girls team, Northland Raiders, um, I joined them and I was playing with the senior women by, at the age of like seven and eight. It was crazy. Um, I remember nights at Cumber Leisure Centre on the hockey pitch, um, playing football with these big women. And uh, <laughs> I was like, um, yeah. So after that, I went to that. Northland Raiders obviously changed into Linfield then, and I've been there ever since. So. And you played for the Brookies football team as well? Yeah. It's fair to say that most of the teams that you've had to play, you're playing with boys. Yeah, I think it's because um, girls' football wasn't really competitive, um, and there wasn't many girls' teams then, and it wasn't like a big thing as it is now. So I played with the boys from the age of probably about eight. I started off at Dungoyne, and then I went to play for Linfield Ladies for a bit, and then I realized that it wasn't for me at that time. Um, and then I went back to the boys and played until last year. Um, and I loved playing with the boys because it was so competitive and they were stronger, well, naturally stronger, some say. Um, um, so yeah, I played with the boys until last year and I loved it. Do we have a little video footage of Megan? Do we? Definitely meant that pass. Now, Megan, we know you, you obviously played for Linfield Ladies and you played for, played for Brooklands and yep. the boys gave you a bit of a hard time at times yeah, and did. didn't want to pick you when they were having to pick teams and all the rest of oh, it. But awful. still, you managed to get to play international football, yeah. which a lot of them haven't, so you have to be commended for that. And you broke into the counties... Um, in the Northern Ireland under 15 schoolgirls team. Yep. Um, and you've gone further since. When did you first get your Northern Ireland cap? That For anybody um, that doesn't know football, it literally is a wee cap because she's played for a country. Yeah, so last, not, so we were away in Mass or Portugal this year. So last September, October, we went to Macedonia. Never go there. Um, <laughs> The, f the chicken was pink, um, so I lived on noodles with red sauce all week. Um, well, so we we played against Bosnia, um, Macedonia, and Austria, and that's when I got my first cup. And we know this year has been a, a big, big year for you in football. You've been playing for the under-19 Northern Ireland ladies in the UEFA Championship. The clip that you just saw previous there was Megan playing against Spain. So 5,000 people went to watch her. Isn't that incredible? At such a young age, well done. I just want to ask you, do you ever have any opportunities in your footballing career to tell your friends or to talk about your faith? Yeah, loads. Like, I think when I was starting... Football, becoming a Christian, I was a bit shaky. I was like, mm, do people know? Do, do people know? But now I think it's gave me confidence that actually I am different to the rest of them. So when I bowed the knee on the pitch to pray before the game, people were asking me, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing on the pitch? And I says, well, 
my pre-match ritual would be to pray. Um, and they all have superstitions, like put their right boot on before their left. Um, but I think the big thing was that when I got down to pray, people noticed. Um, and people were asking me, okay, so what, what are you doing? Like, what's the point? And that gives me opportunity to share. And then I remember recently when we were in Portugal, um, I was in a room with Emily, who's a good friend. And I was able, like she, out of the blue one night, we were just getting ready to bed. And she says, so Megan, tell me about what you do at church. And that, that conversation went on for about an hour and 45 minutes, I think. Um, she was telling me how she had a Christian friend um, and telling me how, like, how different I was to her because I actually lived it out. Um, so it's, I think it's being aware of what God's doing there um, is a big thing for me. So when I'm on the pitch, being aware of if God wants me to go and speak to someone, if God wants me to... I don't know, make a public declaration, then okay. But I think the big thing is um, being able to share with people. Now, I know you haven't got all your matches by driving yourself there, and some people in your family have been a big influence over you. Yep. Who would they be? Um, definitely my dad, 100% my dad. Um, I don't like to tell him, so close your ears. But... Um, he always says, he always knows the right thing to say. Um, he is my biggest critic by far, but it's things I need to hear. And he always goes about it in a godly way. He always relates everything back to Jesus. Um, when I'm getting, he always keeps my two feet in the ground. And when I'm getting frustrated, he always calms me down. He says, listen, why are you playing? You know why you're playing. Um, him, and I remember my uncle Roy, he used to sing songs with us at the dinner table in my Aunt Allison's house. Um, and that would probably probably the biggest two, my dad and my Uncle Roy. So. Okay, and there's another wee member in your family. Wee Lori B. I told her I wasn't going to give her a shout-out, but <laughs> here we go. Um, well, yeah. here, we'll put her picture up instead. <laughs> <laughs> She's up there, beetroot face. Um, yeah, the kid's a legend. Um, every single day, without doubt, without, we walk in and she is in the living room with five dolls sitting on the ground with the TV on, her phone connected with like Christian music on, teaching her kids, give, stamp with her Bible, stamp with her Bible here. <laughs> now, do you know what this is? This is what God did for you. There are five dolls blasting the music and singing at the top of her lungs. But you know what? We wouldn't have her any other way. So, Laurie, I think you'll be the next intern in Donald. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Megan, one last question. If you had to give a team talk in the dressing room um, about becoming a Christian, what would you say to them? Um, I'd probably go with that in football, you're always going to have bad and good days, um, but there's always going to be another game to get yourself right and to put things right, to perform again, but in life, you might not have that other game to put yourself right. Nobody knows when 
that your time will come. No one knows when Jesus is going to come back. Um, so I think the main thing would be that we're running out of time. Um, if you put the game into perspective, we only have 90 minutes. Um, life, we have a short time. You could say we only have 90 minutes. Um, and that you're not always going to have another time in life that you need to make a decision um, of how your, how your future is going to go. Talking of future, Megan, how do you perceive the future like for you? I know you've, you've changed course when you did your GCSEs there just at the, at the end of June there, and life has changed in what you do on a day-to-day -day yep. basis, but how do you perceive the future to look for you? Well, if I was following my will, if it, if it was what I wanted, um, I would love to play professional in England, but we all know that it's not what I want. Um, and if, if it's for me and if, God, if that's the path God wants to lead me down, um, then, then that'll happen. But if it's not for me and God wants to take me somewhere else, um, it would be hard for me. But I know that it would be in my best interest because he always has my best interest at heart. And I know where I'll be this time in 10 years is where God wants me to be. Um, and I think it's really important for me to keep my feet on the ground and make sure that God's priority. Because um, it says in the Bible that if you put God first, everything else will come after it. So it's important that I steward my relationship with Jesus. Um, and I know on the football pitch, he protects me. Um, I have a hedge of protection around me. And thank goodness that I praise God that I haven't been injured yet. Um, and I believe that it's him protecting me. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It'll be where God wants me to be for the future. Megan, it's been an absolute joy to interview you tonight. I think all of us are probably bowled over by your wisdom. Um, and your love for God. Um, he has certainly blessed you with a great footballing talent, but keep giving him the glory and he'll keep honouring you through that. Thank you. Megan Bell, this is your life. Thank you. Well done, you. Well done, Megan, eh? Wasn't that great? Absolutely brilliant. Give her another round of applause, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed that, can we go home now? <laughs> well, it's good to have been here tonight. Yeah, you're wondering how I'm, I'm actually here. I was over in uh, Teen Challenge with Pastor Phil Hills last week, me and my wife Martine, speaking over there at the academy. And on the way back to the airport, uh, he was just driving. We were talking about something entirely different, and he, he looked over and said, Brian, how easy would it be for you to get someone in McGarbury to speak next Sunday night? And I was, thought he was asking for a completely different reason. I said, it wouldn't be a problem. There's more than enough people up there I can speak. That's good. I want you to go to Dundonald on Sunday night. And I, I was saying to Pip, Phil's a way of asking you something that you can't say no to. And that was one of those moments. So you can blame him if it all goes wrong from here. All right. I accept no responsibility. Anyway, I believe, what, what, I, what I, I don't say this lately. I believe tonight that, that I have a word that God wants me to bring to Dundonald Elam. I, I don't say that lately. I honestly don't I, don't. I don't. I'm a very practical Christian. What you see is what you get. Okay, and sometimes you mightn't 
like what you see or you might like what you get. But tonight, you can blame Phil and blame God. Okay? So Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. These are well-known verses in, in verse 11 to 14. And this is what we read. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Just turn to someone, will you, and say, it's time to change. It's time to change. Because that's, that's, that's the message God's put in my heart tonight. We all, now I don't know about you, but I'm not comfortable with change, I honestly. It's terrible when you preach something you're not comfortable with, isn't it? Because we get very comfortable uh, with what our level of expertise is. We get very comfortable with that. But when God wants us to step out of our comfort level into an area of change, we put all sorts of excuses up as why we cannot do it. Before computers, iPods, cell phones, watches, and even paper and pencil existed. God and his, his ingenuity give us something to help us keep track of where we are concerning time. Great. You, you, if you don't know where you are, by the way, hear me tonight, if you don't know where you are, you'll never be able to determine where you're going. That's, that's the truth. If you don't know, I, I talk to people doing outreach and stuff, and they say to me, I don't know where I am. Now, there's many reasons for that. There maybe is has a kite and they don't know where they are, but it always concerns you when people don't know where they are because you can't, you can't determine where you're going to go if you don't know where you are. That's, that's the honest truth. So it's important first and foremost as we carry on tonight that you know where you are in life. And only you can answer that question. We're not asking your friend, your partner, your mother, or your father. I want you to search into the depths of your heart and ask yourself this question, just you and God, where am I tonight? Where is my life at this current moment in time? Now, God in his ingenuity uh, uh, dictated the seasons to us. And we know we're coming into the dark nights again and uh, the winter's about to bite. The leaves are off the trees. So we're in autumn. We, can all, we all know about those times. When I'm up in McGabry, I, I, I came originally from Tigers Bay up to McGabry. Honest to goodness, where God has a sense of humor sending another like me up to McGabry. But he sent me up and, and uh, we're having an amazing time. And there's all farmers in it. I'm not kidding you. I haven't a clue about farming. I was, I was there about two months, and, and the little deacon, God love him, he's a lovely wee man, phoned me in a terrible state, in a real bad state. And I honestly said to Martine, my wife, I think someone's died. I'm going to have to go up and see him. So I drove up Pigeon Town Road. That's what a name, Pigeon Town Road. There's no pigeons on it. That's just what you call the road, Pigeon Town Road. And I drove in, and the family are sitting in the wee country kitchen, and you'd, you'd think the earth had caved in. And they were very, very weepy. And I turned and I said, Raymond, what has happened? Pastor, 
you're never going to believe it. I don't be laughing at them tonight, please, please. Because this is recorded, they'll hear it. I, I said, well, tell me. They stole my tractor. I kid you not. They stole my tractor. And of course, I tried to be as dignified as one could possibly be. And I said, that's terrible. I'm thinking inside, for goodness sake, get a life and give yourself a shake. It's only a tractor. You know, I had no compassion at all. And then he went on to say, not only did they steal it, but they burnt it. Wow. And that's when the tears started to go. And I thought, you know, being from North Belfast, a tractor, what are you talking? 10, 12,000 maybe? Maybe 16 if you're wanting to stretch it out a wee bit. And then he turned and says to me, I asked him, I says, well, what did it, what did it cost, Raymond? And he says, 240,000 pounds. And I started to cry too when he told me that. <laughs> but... <laughs> What? Now that was a wake up for me. I didn't realize farming was so expensive. I was near going to go out and look for it myself, you know, but it was burnt. So, so we've got these seasons and the farmers love the seasons. We had a harvest service this morning and they, they could tell you everything about the seasons, when to plant the seed and when to, to harvest it. They, they have to give me the date of the harvest service because I keep changing the dates and they said, Pastor, you can't have the harvest service until after the harvest comes in, not before it. But I don't know these things. Without seasons, we become the most frustrated people because we do things at the wrong time. At the wrong time. You see, if anything we need to understand as Christians, it's not about our time and it isn't, honestly. Hear me tonight. It's not about your time and it's not about my timing. Doing things at the right time is crucial, but doing the things in God's timing is even more crucial. For a good few years, I, I pastored North Belfast, and I got these ideas to do things that were somewhat crazy, you know, but they, at times I, I, I was sure it was God, and I, I got it all together and done it, and it wasn't very successful. And I thought, why was that? And then I tried the same thing five years later, and it was successful, overwhelmingly successful. And I began to think, my timing's all wrong. You see, sometimes God puts an idea in your heart, but it's not for tomorrow. It may not even be for next month. It may not even be for next year. Before, you know, God called me into the ministry, told me where I was going, but it was five years before he put me there. Strange. Most frustrating five years for me because I was so uncut I didn't know. We cannot know the changes taking place in our lives. This is what I'm trying to say tonight. Unless we have a season. Unless we have a season. Now, now, God could have caused the sun to shine all the time and the seasons to never change. But if he did, then we would never know when to rest, when to harvest, and when to plant. So God created season. I want to say to you tonight, and Donald Elam, and you seem like a lovely people. The pastor might say something different, but you seem to me to be a lovely people. Change is on its way for Dundonald Elam. Hear me tonight. Change, and when God brings change, it's always good. It's always good. And change, if there's anything God was saying to me throughout the week, was to say this to you over and over again. Change is on the way for Dundonald Elam, and change is on the way for you personally here tonight. If you'll only allow God to move. You see, the season you were in 
and the season that you're in right now is about to change. Some of you might be glad because you've maybe been in a bad season and you want it to change. But are you going to want to be ready for it when it, when it does come? You know, the devil is saying, I always say to Christians, you know, people, they always want to uh, verbally communicate to others what God's going to do in their life. And I, I used to say to them, you know, don't, don't let the devil know, for goodness sake. Keep it, keep it to yourself. Don't let the devil know. And when the, once, I, once I confess it, it seems like the enemy raises up a, a flood of, 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 of abuse, a, a flood of lies, uncertainty creeps in, and they feel somewhat disjointed. They're sort of all over the place wondering, where is God in all of this? Anyone ever been there tonight? Where is God in all of this? What we're currently going through, where is God in all of this? Now, I'm preaching to people tonight, and I know by the look on your face that you've experienced this. I don't think there's anyone here tonight who hasn't experienced this. I remember about 23 years ago when, when Jessica was, that's her making all the noise tonight, was, was born. I remember going up to the hospital because we thought she had facial palsy. And I was one of these Christians that was all fired up, you know. And I remember sitting down in front of the consultant, and the consultant turned around and said to us, looked at me and my wife and says, your daughter has severe brain damage. And I felt during then that my world had just collapsed. Just collapsed. So I know what it's like to go through some stuff. And I won't bore you with the details because we've all experienced pain. But I take great courage from the Word of God tonight. You see, if we don't have the Word of God, what do we have? Isaiah 54 and 17. This is what it says. This is, this is for you folk tonight. Hear this. No weapon that is forced against you will prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, God will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You know, it doesn't really matter what you've been fighting against. It's about to fall. Do you hear me tonight? It's about to fall. It doesn't matter who's been saying, what about you or even about me? It's all going to fall away. God says every tongue, not, not just one or two, but every tongue that rises against you, he will condemn it. I, I'm not into the business of condemning anyone. It's all up to God. It's all up to God. But I know this. You see, I, I, I'm experiencing this in my spirit, and I'm very troubled because I look around the world, and I see things that are happening in an unprecedented scale. We have earthquakes, we have, we have, we have tremors, we have, we, have, we have the probability of war, we have unprecedented election results that, that everyone thought would never take place, and it's all happened within the last 10 years in your lifestyle. And when I see that, I know in my heart that God is up to something. God is not taken by surprise by any of the world events. He's up to something. And, and the church needs to grasp this. As a church, we need to see this, that God is up to something, something that you were trying to do before but couldn't, something that you've been wrecking your brain over, something you've been praying about, a wall you couldn't get over, a situation you couldn't change, the problem that just won't go away regardless of how hard you try, the impossibility 
that has held back the potential in your life and walk with God is about to be made possible by God. You need to believe it tonight. You need to believe it. It's about to be made possible by God. Not by any man, not by any woman, but by God. And with God, all things are possible to them that believe. All things are possible. Now, now let me just break this down a wee bit because of a question for you in saying all of this. Isn't it about time you find yourself in the season that God wants you to be in? That God wants you to be in? Some people have been shoveling snow in the summer. Some people have been shoveling snow in the summer. They're in the wrong season. Nothing worse than being in the wrong season. You've been working too hard at something that wasn't in God's timing. You've been planting a, a, a vegetable garden, but it's late in the season, far, far too late. It's not going to be time. It's not going to be time to reap a harvest. And if you're busy digging in the dirt when it's time to pick up some fruit, you're going to miss out on a tremendous blessing in your life. I meet so many people and, and, and their lives are messed up because their seasons are messed up. God, you know, God can bring you, it's, it's the strangest thing. God can bring you to your lowest point in life in order to reach you and get your attention. Honestly, he can. I've seen it over and over again. It's as if the vestiges of hope has just finally been stripped from your life and then God steps in. I always say, God, could you not have done it at the start instead of waiting until the end? I don't know why he does all that. Is it okay to say that in church? I don't understand God fully. But that's what makes me excited to be a Christian. Because with God, my goodness, I meet people that say to me, Christianity's born. And I look at them and think, what life are you from, fella? Christianity's boring. You want to spend some time with me? Get amongst contagious Christians. Get, do you know what? I, I, boring Christianity does not cut it for me. I'm sorry. It does because I do not believe, neither do I think for one moment that the Lord Jesus Christ was a boring individual. He was the most interesting, fiery individual who ever lived on the face of this earth. And the good news of the gospel is he's still alive tonight. And he's still doing great things in your life and in my life. Change is coming. Are you ready? Have you grown tired? You need to be tired of the season you're in, you see. To grasp something better. Now, I said at the start, I don't like change. And I doubt that many in this room really like change. But I'll be honest with you this evening. I don't like where I've been at times in my life. And I'm desperate during those times for God to change me. You see, sometimes... For God to bring change in a church, in a family, in a home. He has to first change us. He has to first change you. And he has to first change me. And we are very uncomfortable with that. But let's just bear ourselves before God and just allow him the opportunity to bring the change that he wants. Because I believe God wants to build his church. And I believe that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's into building people up, not tearing them down. Building them up. Uh, I, I, there may be an attitude you want to get away from. 
Maybe there's an addiction that you want to break. Maybe there's a habit. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe there's something going on in your family. It's time for change. You've tried everything else. You've tried the broken cisterns of this world and you've found them to be vain, disappointing, offering you absolutely nothing but pain and heartache. Why not give God a chance? Why not give God a chance? Why not just say, God, I've tried everything else. He can do a better job than you and me, honestly. He really, really can. Really, really can. I got saved at the age of 19. God spoke to me. Told me I was going to hell. That was enough for me, I'm telling you. There's in there jumped out the car window. He says, Lord, save me quick. Save me quick. When I told my, my, my girlfriend, and who's now my wife, Martine, she didn't say anything in response to me. I thought, sure, she should have said praise the Lord or something, but she wasn't saved herself. Just dropped me off and drove on home and left me. No, no goodbye kiss or nothing. Thought it was all over. Honestly, I kid you not. I think she was in shock. We didn't tell my mom and, mom and father, who were both Christians, and my dad ran out of the house. I says, this is going down well, isn't it? This is, this is great. I, says, I didn't even get an amen. My mom started to cry. And I thought, what's going on here? I thought this was a joyous experience. But God was doing something, you see. I, I tried a lot of stuff. I thought I was in control. But for the first time in my life, at the age of 19, which is a very young age because I'm 50 now, at that moment in my life, I'll never forget it, I had absolutely nothing to offer God. Zero. Nothing. No talents. No education. Absolutely not. I wasn't even working. Drawing the dole down. Getting laid off the roofs to get a carry out, you know. But nothing. Wasn't working. But God was up. God can take you tonight, wherever you are at. God can take you, hear me tonight, and do something incredible with your life. Incredible. It's time for a new season. There's a reason to move on. The sun's setting on a few things. The season is changing with a few situations. A new day is on the horizon. Something is about to change in your life. Now, if you're like a lot of people who don't like change, we need to know whether we like it or not. Change comes. Seasons come and go, whether we want them to or not. The prophet Daniel said in Daniel 2 and 21, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom unto the ways and knowledge to them that no understanding. Whether you like it or not, change will happen. I, I want to be in it. Honestly, I, I'm being honest tonight. I don't want to fight, fight against God. I might be uncomfortable with the change, but I don't want to fight against God. I want what God wants me to do. I've realized that. It's an undeniable truth that, that God has plans and purposes for each and everyone here tonight. Let, let me say something. You are not here tonight by chance. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you're saying, well, so, no, God knew you were coming. <laughs> That's, if you think someone, you just came because someone invited you, you're, you're, you're absolutely deluded. God knew you would be here tonight. He knew you'd be here tonight to hear the songs that were sung the praying that was done, to hear Megan's story, to hear his word tonight. God knew. Now, do you know what that tells me? God's interested in you. God's interested in you. 
Why would God go to all that trouble just to get you to come here tonight and done Donald Elam? Think about that just for a minute. Why would God? Do you want me to tell you why? Because he loves you. He loves you tonight more than anyone has ever loved you before or ever will. The best thing sometimes we can do is to allow our minds to comprehend that there are some things that are not under our control. Daniel tells us the seasons are God's business and we need to accept that whether we like it or not or whether we acknowledge it or not. Some things God has ordained for his glory that we may not possibly understand, but in his infinite wisdom and love for us, he has preordained and ordered them for your benefit and for my benefit. And these are the seasons of our lives. I remember a few years ago going to see uh, an old lady in our church. Some people here might remember her, her, her husband was Arthur Durr and her name was Jonah Durr. We call him the bishop because the guy, I thought the guy swallowed a Bible. He knew everything about it, honestly. He was a delight. And he was one of the guys that mentored me as a young Christian. I used to go down to his house. He used to chop logs, you know, and ask him questions. And I used to half answer the questions so that you would come and study it for yourself. And then you had to go back and, and give him an answer. And you were so frightened to get it wrong. You, you must have read about 20 commentaries just to answer one question. Terrible, terrible. Put me through terrible pain. But I remember going to see his wife. He was down at cancer one night in, in, in the hospice. Joan, great lady. And I walked in, you know, as we do, uh, us pastors, we're going in there, we're going to anoint her with oil and pray the Lord will raise her up, the Lord will heal her and, and, and all of this, you know, because that, that's for me, that's the plan and the purpose of God, you see. Why, why, why would God do anything else? And I had it all worked out. I remember standing beside of her, beside of her bed and she looked at me and this is what she says, young man, do you see before you go, don't you dare pray for God to heal me. And I looked and thought, what? Now, now have you ever prayed that God would take someone? Have you? Maybe, maybe, maybe you will someday. It's not easy. And she took me by the hand. She looked me in the eye and said, you're here to serve me, young man. Pray that God takes me home tonight. Wow, wow, wow. I, I prayed one of those faithless prayers because I didn't want to do it. But God took her. I don't understand all that. You see, that's a change I'm not comfortable with. I'm not comfortable with that. I am. My goodness, why would God do that? But then she's away to a better place. She's got her eternal glory. She's just probably looking down there and saying, will you shut up and get on with it? That's the type of people, you know, you don't get them. There's none of these characters around anymore. There really, really isn't. If we are prayerful and sensitive to God's working in our lives, he will bring us into a specific season where his will can be done through us. Do you know one of the greatest things I, I find? I find a lot of amazing things about God. The people in McGabrielum don't know what I'm going to say next. They're always on the edge, you know. They don't know what I'm going to say next. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm always saying things to them, how, how God speaks to me. But do you know what I find amazing with God and I don't understand? That God uses people like you and me to get his plan and purpose done in this world. I, I just don't understand that. I, I, I think, Lord, could you not have created an alien or something to do it? 
rather than me? Could you not have created somebody with superhuman strength rather than, than me? Rather than you? Maybe, maybe you feel you're worthy of his acceptance. I, I don't know. But I, I, I don't think I am. I'm amazed. I am intrigued that the God of the, the universe, I might have said this one day, didn't believe in God. I said, how many stars are there? She said, I have no idea. She says, well, you're a scientist. You're in the, well, 60 billion in that galaxy and maybe another 60 billion. There may be another 60 billion. So you, you haven't seen that galaxy yet? No, no, no. I said, so maybe God could be there. Oh, no, no, there's no God. They don't even know how many stars there are. And then you ask them where you come from. My goodness gracious me. Three trillion years ago, you were a this and you were that. And they lose me at the best of times. See, there's no planning and there's no purpose in that. It's void of God. Any life that's void of God, any plan, any purpose that's void of God, is, is, is a life not worth living. Imagine a season where there's no frustration. Imagine a season where we're reaping in due season. A season where confusion falls away. A season where your destiny is found. A season where purpose is fulfilled. A season where some things you've been fighting against begin to work alongside you. Now, is anyone getting this tonight? Because God wants to do it. God, help us let go. Help us to let go of what we have been and reach for where you're taking us. Change is coming. It's not just a turning of the trees. It's not just a temperature change. It's not just the, the, the lowering of the sun on its axis. There, there's a season of change that's happening right now in the realm of God's Spirit. And if you allow it, it will happen in your life. It's coming whether we like it or not. It's our choice whether we're part in it. Whether we're part in it. What it used to look like isn't what it's going to look like any longer. You can say amen to that. That's great, isn't it? I'm not going to tell you your wife's going to get better looking or your husband's going to get better looking, so don't be building your hopes up too much. How it felt in the past isn't going to be the way it feels in the future. Amen. I'll have that, Lord. The season is changing for you, people. The season is changing for you. You know, in Exodus 33, we find Moses trying, I say trying because he was trying to lead the children of Israel away from Egypt and into the place that God had prepared for them. And this is what Moses said to God. <laughs> I don't know where I would have brave enough to say this, you know. Here's, here's a guy who's making excuses in a bush why he can't go and get the children out. And then he gets this, I don't know what it is, but he gets this bravery from nowhere. And he, how dare he even say this? How dare Lord, show me your glory. I'm thinking, who do you think you are, Moses? Lord, show me your glory. I used to read that and stop and pause for a few minutes. You see, I, I, I'd be frightened of the glory of God falling on me. I'd be dead. I just couldn't contain it. What a wee bit of it, you know. Just what I can, can take. And, and, and he asked this. In other words, do you know what, it, know what it means in the Hebrew? Show me your power. Show me your power. Oh, dear Moses. Show me your potential. In other words, God, show me what you're capable of. And know what God does. God puts him in a, in a hole in the cleft of the rock where there's darkness. You've got to be careful what you ask God for because he just might take you to a place of darkness or into a hole in order to show you his glory. 
And Moses gets into this cleft in the rock and the glory of God passes by. And it's so powerful that Moses' face illuminates. It starts to shine. They're all looking at him thinking, what, my goodness, what happened to this guy? It's the glory of the Lord. Before you can see his glory, he may have to, have to take you down a peg or two or put you someplace where you least expect it. Somewhere you're unfamiliar with. Somewhere you're uncomfortable with. Some people may say, I'm claustrophobic in here. Get me out of this quick. It's well, Moses wasn't claustrophobic, isn't it? He would never seen the glory. Can you imagine being in that, that hole that God had, uh, had put him in and suddenly, suddenly, when you think it's all lost, when you think there's no way out, suddenly he looks up and guess what happens? The glory of God passes over him. You know, the darkest hours just before the dawn, that's, that's the scientific truth tonight. The darkest hour is just, it's so dark and then bing. I used to tell the people doing the outreach, you're going into some dark places tonight, but listen to me. I don't care how dark it gets. If you go in and shine a light, everyone will see the light. Because that's the purpose of light. It illuminates dark places. It illuminates dark places. There are moments that happen in our lives and they happen for a purpose. There's some things you cannot wish away. We cannot just close our eyes and wait for the storm to end. We need to lean into the winds of adversity in our lives and recognize that, that there is a gust that is hitting us. And if we look, if we hang on to God, if we trust in God and we look up, we'll see the clouds begin to break and the sun starting to shine through. You may not understand the season you're in right now. That's quite possible, but know this, it's not permanent. God never intended it to be permanent. Change is coming. Someone's been saying, I'll always have this problem. No, you won't. No, you won't. Someone has been saying things will never change. Someone's been saying it's not going to get any better. Believe me, it is. It is because God's real. You need to begin to believe God right now that change is on its way. It's a new change season. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get easier. Wouldn't that be great? Wow. Things are about to produce. Some things you've been struggling with are about to come into alignment. Greater things come when the seasons change. Moses saw God's glory and goodness. The Bible says his face was lit up or shone with the glory, shined with the glory of God. You see, here's the truth tonight, hear me. When you get into his presence, when you get into his presence, something should change in your life. Something should change. You may wonder why some people, maybe you come in here tonight and you're watching, what's all this about waving their hands? And you know, you don't understand it. I remember the first time I was in the Pentecostal meeting, I thought they were all nuts. I thought they were all, I'm looking thinking, what? They had tambourines and all back then, you know, woo, woo, with ribbons and all on them. Here's me, what the, what on earth? Some of them were waving flags and some of them were, and I spoke in these funny languages, and I thought, where do you learn that? I'm, I'm not, I was absolutely alien, alien to the whole thing. But here's me, I'm going to stick around here because these people are odd. That, that intrigued me. Odd people intrigue me. Isn't that strange? They intrigue me. And maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering, I don't understand this worship. I don't understand all this singing. I don't understand the passion. It's, it's easy to explain, you see. 
These people have encountered Jesus. That's the effect he has on you when you encounter him. Honest to goodness. You just can't help sing. You just can't help praise him. We had a, a guy in our church, and they called him Hallelujah Jim. That was his name, Hallelujah Jim. He was shot three times by the IRA and survived. And a bullet was lodged in, his, in the side of his neck. And you'd have been preaching, honest to goodness. See if you were a visitor in our church. Oh dear, you, had to, you, you couldn't warn him, it was impossible. So you'd have been sitting, and I used to watch, and the visitors always came in. And where did they sit? I kid you not, Pip. Behind Jim, or in front of Jim. And I'm going, dear Lord, please. So you'd have got to a point about Jesus and all of a sudden Jim would have jumped up about six feet in the air. Hallelujah! And the people in front would, oh, you're about to call a prayer line. Someone's died of a heart attack and Jim's going, are you saved? Hallelujah! Every time. And I went to work in Stormont. I kid you not. We put the lifts, I was a lift engineer and we put the lifts in Stormont when they refurbed it. Oh, and Jim was working there. Oh dear. And I said to the guy I was with, I'm going to go around and see if Jim's here. And I went round, and there was Jim doing the great joiner, doing the joiner, you know, the big fancy doors. And there's this wee spark. And I said, Jim, you're going for some lunch, and the spark turns around, and the sweat is breaking on his head. It was the middle of the winter. He says, do you know him? I says, that's Jim. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. I says, what's wrong? He says, I feel like I'm burning in hell. Get him out. And Jim just got up, hallelujah, I'm praying for you. He went down to the porta cabin to have his lunch. And the guy said, all page three up. And all of a sudden, page three. And Jim ripped them all down. And I thought, I'm away, I'm away. They come back the next day and they're on the ceiling and everything. So Jim, I said, Jim, come and have your lunch with us. Hallelujah, Jim. But you know what he used to say to me? He used to say, pastor, Jesus changed my life. I should have been dead. So I'm going to live every minute of my life to praise him. I don't care what people think of me. <laughs> I don't know. I know that, Jim. He, he, he jumped up one night with a flag and we had, we had these hanging lights, you know. He smashed it all over the people. The glass was all over the place. Oh, people were, oh, there's glass in my hair. There's glass in my feet. And Jim just, you know. I kid you not. You see, that's what happens when you get into his presence. You do strange things. Because I've seen his glory. Their lives have been changed by his glory. You see, when Jesus touches your life, there needs to be change. I finish with this tonight. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man, if any woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's change. That's change. What's wrong with you after the change? You act different. You talk different. Because you're in a new season. New life. I'm not where I was before. I was in all kinds of things, but now, you know what? No way I'm now. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature. Are you ready for change? Let's, let's bring it to God. Let's bring it to God. And let, let's allow God to change us tonight. Can we just bow in a word of prayer just for, just for a moment? Because I just want to ask you tonight. I believe that God put this message on my heart for a reason. And, and I might not even know the reason, but... God does, and I'm just being obedient. And I want to I pray tonight just for you, first and foremost. Now, hear what, I'm, hear what I'm going to say. I don't know where you're from. I don't know your background, but, but I do know this, that God has a purpose for you. Now, that may sound so alien to you, it's almost unbelievable. But would you give him a chance? So here's my question. 
Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Because that's the first step you need to, you need to take in order for God to fulfill his plans and purpose in your life. I want to give you that opportunity. And what, I want, what I want you to do tonight, this will not cause you to become a Christian, but it will indicate and, and someone will pray with you at the end of the meeting. If you're one of those folk tonight and you're saying, well, I want to give my life to Christ. I want, I want change in my life. Exciting change, purposeful, meaningful change. Can you simply raise up your hand and take it down again? I'll see it and someone will speak to you at the end. Anyone, man, woman, amen, there's one. Anyone else? One young lady, anyone else? Just join with them. I'm trying to keep your hand up for a second or two so I can see it. You just want God to change your life. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. He can do it. He's more than able to do it. And when he saves you, guess what? He keeps you. You don't keep yourself. He keeps you. Anyone else tonight, just simply raise, raise up your hand. Or a backsider who needs to come back. You once walked with God and you've realized, oh, you should never have walked away. It's time to come back. It's time to come back. A prodigal son or prodigal daughter, it's time to come back. Come back to him. Give your life fully, totally to him. Simply raise your hand. Bless the Lord. Now, now I want to I pray for you all tonight in, in the church. And I'll, I'll hand over to Pip. And the young lady that's raised the hand, uh, Pastor Pip will give you some instructions who to speak to or whatever. But let, let's all stand just for a minute. And, and I want to pray for you. Let's, let's just pray. Father, we, we thank you tonight for this church. Lord, this is your church. And everyone who is here tonight, here's the great news. They're here for a reason. And Lord, if we're, we're, we're honest with ourselves, we, at times we don't have it all together because we mightn't even know the reason, but we are, we, we, are, we are grateful you do. And I pray that this church might increase, Father, in this new season you have them in, that it might increase beyond what they even expect or beyond their level of expectancy because you are in it. We pray that for every negative word that's been spoken will come to nothing, that it will be uprooted, all negativity would be uprooted and the fruits of your spirit would be planted. That only good things will be spoken around this community and further afield and it will be noised abroad that Christ is in the house. Bless us, Lord. Encourage us each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.